everyone, and welcome to another episode of Wesley Union, um, where we talk with a campus minister or local pastor about a specific liturgical season or day or both and get their insight onto it. Um, I'm Sarah Taylor, and today I am joined by the lovely Reverend Haley Eccles of Campus to City Wesley Foundation. Haley, how are you? I'm doing good. We were just talking before we hit record about fatigue and... I know why you're feeling fatigued, but I can feel it a little bit, uh, too, with just how gloomy it's been outside. Yeah. Yeah. It's been very good napping weather. Like, with all the... It has been good napping weather. Which has been nice, you know, since I'm stuck in my room anyway. Um, (laughs) Yes. But... Um, I know we've had you on before, but for people who did not hear the other episode you did um, about the Hope Candle in Advent, um, I believe, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, unlike the last time I was here, in this current moment, I'm the mother to a three-year-old because he had his birthday. Uh, so a three-year-old and a 11-month-old Um and so that's really fun personal stuff um i am the associate director at campus to city wesley foundation and a provisional elder in the florida conference of the united methodist church um i am a self-proclaimed word nerd and really love to like look into um words and stuff and like bible text but also enjoy like games like Scrabble and Boggle and things that have to do with words. And um, I'm also currently um, one of the clergy who is into Peloton right now. Um, Within our conference, uh, the season has been really tough. And so they are trying to support clergy doing what they need to take care of themselves Um, And so many of my clergy colleagues have been using that as an opportunity to purchase equipment to help us stay physically active and get those endorphins. And so um, so that's another fun thing I've been doing Mm. that I wasn't doing when we talked about the hope candle. So, yes, you know, busy, 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 you know, exercising, raising children, being an associate director watching the bachelor you know all the things oh yeah the bachelor yeah that's what we were talking about before before (laughs) yeah i think what i'm a little scared for people to know is just how much watching the bachelor really does take up my time because it's two hours on mondays uh and then i have a few I won't say how many commentators who do like recap episodes and commentaries and talk about bachelor tea. Um, and so that takes up the time between in between Mondays, giving me a little bit of that content. And it's just such an interesting uh, exploration into the human condition. Mm. Mm. You know, I was trying to find a clever way to make a joke about how you're a pastor. So it makes sense that you'd be into commentaries. Um, like of 
The Bachelor because you have all the Bible commentaries. Um, but my brain is too tired to make that very, like, funny. Well, we can make a, a segue about, uh, you know, what else is about the human condition. Hashtag. Yeah, yeah, that's a good segue um, about the human condition. So Ash Wednesday and Lent are, I guess, about those things. So can you tell us why they matter? Like, um, specifically, like, I guess in a liturgical calendar context, why do they matter? Yeah, I think it's helpful to get that kind of, I call it like the 30,000 foot view where you look at kind of the calendar as a whole. And there there is a shifting rhythm back and forth um, in the calendar between our need, God's response, our need, God's response. So we see that in Advent and in the waiting um, and then God showing up in Christmastide. Um, and then Epiphany is this um, time where our need and God's response kind of come together in this mutuality of finding God and God finding us and kind of the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Um, but it culminates with a, a holy day called Transfiguration Sunday. And Sarah, you have heard me preach before. You know that... Um, most of the time I'm preaching around 12 minute sermons. I really focus on one point. I preached for Transfiguration Sunday and it was a 27 minute long sermon. I mean, that is just like not normally me, but it's a big like concept that it's really hard to get your mind around. But you have this idea where Jesus, the God human is People are searching for him, searching for God. He is in turn uh, ministering and searching for others, right? And and they're building relationship and they get to this point on Transfiguration Sunday where they realize there is a larger chasm between us and Jesus than just that he like, really knows good scripture. He knows how to argue it well, and he can do some healing. Like Jesus unveils who he is as also God and divinity, and it is terrifying and awe-inspiring. And so at that pinnacle of realization of just how far humanity is from God's divinity and holiness, we come down to Ash Wednesday, where we really consider what it means to be human beings in human bodies that are temporary and fragile and finite. Um, And so we celebrate that in this very reflective penitential holy moment with ash and oil marked on our foreheads as a reminder that from from dust you came and to dust you will return. Um, 
And in some ways that can seem morbid, um, but there is a, a humility and also a gift in marking the amount of time and space that we get to take up. Um, I was talking to a student yesterday who has lost uh, some people in their family recently, kind of like two different people, but on the same day. So it's kind of one of those weird things. And just the way that that brought about realization of how short life is. Um, and so I think also in these moments, you know, without having those realizations of, of losing someone or something like that, um, having this moment to remind ourselves that that life is short and that life without God is very dry um, and difficult. And so, um, and then from Ash Wednesday, we move into another question of, um, our need and awaiting God's response in the Easter tide. And so, um, we use things like fasting to be able to highlight our focus on our need for God and our need for that relationship, even as terrifying and scary and awe-inspiring as it might be to have something so holy and powerful holding our lives. If we take that away, um, I think we also realize that, that giving, trying to live life apart from God um, is worth that submission. And ultimately also that God is wholly good. And so while we can't really contain that amazing and awe-inspiring and sometimes terrifying power that it is a, a good power. So anyway, those, that's my, why it matters and where it fits. Yeah, no, that was really beautiful. I appreciated that explanation. Um, and kind of the way you talked about the pre-Ash Wednesday leading into Ash Wednesday and then leading into Lent and Easter, like the flow I really appreciated rather than you kind of isolating them because they're not isolated events, right? Like they might like feel like these shifts and these different things, but really it is this flow and rhythm that liturgical, um, the liturgical calendar offers us. Um, so I was really, I appreciated that. Um, now that you've like given us the, I guess, like larger theological flow kind of what to Ash Wednesday and Lent, um, what do those mean like for you specifically? Like how, how do you experience, interact, resonate with those on a personal level? I think it's been a journey for me. Um, I grew up with what I can only call as worm theology. It's theology where um, we are worthless without God. And 
there's some tension and some nuance to that message. But when you learn or when you hear something that way from the time that you're, you know, three, four, five, and you're formed in that, it becomes really hard to understand why would God care about me or want me or love me? Like if I'm nothing without God, why, why, why does God bother with me? And so I think my initial associations with Ash Wednesday have been that state of life without God sucks. That's what mortality is. You are not God. Um, you are human. You are very below God. And I think part of that comes from a theology that really focuses on the individual. Um, and my theology has moved much in much more into um, a theology that focuses on all of creation and relationship with the creation um, in the midst of this relationship with God. And so while there is some truth that life without God is dry, it can feel purposeless and aimless sometimes, um, we also know that there's this, this provenient grace and goodness of God that is ubiquitous and surrounds us and, and creates um, that worthiness and calls out that goodness again and again. And so rather than spending Ash Wednesday reflecting on what a horrible human being I am, uh, which is what I would have done, a lot of times what I've noticed is that fasting and reflecting through Ash Wednesday has more to do with me realizing what, what God is calling me to in the midst of um, mission for the world. So for example, oftentimes during Lent, uh, we'll choose something to fast. And the point of fasting helps to uh, focus our intention on God when we you know, want or desire that thing that we've chosen to give up. Um, but what it also does is remind us that some people don't have a choice to fast from this thing. So even if you're fasting from something like uh, Netflix over the course of Lent, say you fasted from that, I think you also might be cognizant um, of the fact that there are whole communities that have limited access to the internet. And in the time of this pandemic and, and people having to learn from home, there are communities that have been severely affected by the fact that they um, don't have equal access to the internet and aren't able to help their children get educated safely at home. Um, et cetera, et cetera. If you fast from something like food, it is a reminder that friends who are homeless are not in the process of fasting. You can't fast from something you don't have. They are starving. And so 
this small tinge of hunger you might feel connects you to a group that needs you to live a life in abundance that provides for their need as well. Um, One year I fasted from my car and rode the bus. It took me uh, three times as long to get to school every day. Um, And it was a very different experience. put me in in communities and places and allowed me to see my neighborhood in a completely different way because highways are meant to drive you by neighborhoods of poverty so that you don't have to see those things. Um, And so cultivating an attention towards um, need and um, how advocating for for others is a very important part of our call as the church. Um, And so for me, Ash Wednesday and Lent are important because they help place me in the context of all of creation and and all of creation's needs. Um, And oftentimes what I'll find is the same power within me that we celebrate in resurrection is the same power that can help me to advocate, to give, to trust in God's abundance, to help meet the needs that I can in this lifetime. That was beautiful. I really, I appreciated all of that really and the the placement of yourself and your experiences and like this connectedness to the world around you right and like what these seasons are meant to remind us of I know for me Ash Wednesday is like my favorite liturgical holiday (laughs) um I really I I love the you know from dust you came to dust you shall return because it's this I get this image of you know when God reached down into the earth and he formed like humanity like in the beginning and it's like God took the time to reach down into the dirt that we walk on and kind of don't think about and saw the potential for everything that is around us. And it's this reminder that like everything is sacred and everything is mattered and God chose to come be with us and create us in some way for me. And so I, I just, I love that. And I love the way you also like connect all of these things to kind of the broader like world and that it's not just about us um that like it's definitely very relatable for me whenever I think about these seasons um I will say that I can sometimes swing too far into the communal in a way that I get very uncomfortable with those individual needs that I need to work on. And so I do think that is a challenge in Lent too, that um, my growth with God is not done. And so in the midst of these, um, these ways that I might feel called to lead out the mission, there's also a lot of need to um, grow and confront uh, the spaces that, that uh, God needs to be present in um, and realizing the places where I am weak and human and not perfect. Yeah, 
Yeah, because as God is, yeah, drawing close to and investing in humanity, like God is also drawing close to and investing in individuals and being present in not only our communal dust, but our individual dust. And yeah, so there's absolutely that layer. So good. Um, We're going to take a quick break and then we will be right back to dive more into Ash Wednesday and Lent. Studio Wesley is sponsored by Campus of City Wesley, a ministry of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. Consider supporting the work of Studio Wesley by supporting Campus to City Wesley on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash ccw. And we are back um, with the second half of our Wesley Union um, episode for Ash Wednesday and Lent. I almost said Advent um, because I said a lot of that um, a couple months ago when we were recording these. Um, But it is past Advent. We are in Ash Wednesday and Lent season. And um, I guess let's just dive back into questions. Um, Haley... um, what is the story behind and reason for Ash Wednesday in Lynn? Like, why is it still significant to us today as a society? So I'm not a great church historian. I'll just say that. But I know that in, um, in many traditions, and I believe when Ash Wednesday originally started and Lent started, that this was a, a penitential and searching time for people who wanted to become members of the church, um, that they would actually get baptized on Easter. But during these 40 days of fasting and prayer, it was a chance to say, um, this is a choice. Discipleship um, is going to demand something from you. It has a lot to do um, with coming to to grips with who you are and who God is. And so through this 40 days of, of fasting prayer and also some, some um, catechesis, uh, that fancy word for like learning the education behind um, our theology and church and all of that stuff, um, that people would have an opportunity before they got baptized to, to really feel um, that this was what they they were called to. Um, we see a huge shift of that in today. One, because um, we have a lot more access to things like baptism and church membership because the way that ordination has shifted and changed um, and allows... Uh, most churches who have an, um, do have an ordained pastor and are able to get baptized any Sunday um, and respond with some, with some immediacy to um, this call that God has placed on their lives. Plus, we also have um, in, in our tradition, in many traditions, um, this belief in provenient grace that allows people to be baptized and raised into the church so that um, it's not something you have to 
wait for in the same way. And I think there's a high view of God's grace in that action. Um, I think it has stuck around for um, a lot of different reasons. Um, It connects us to uh, Jesus' ministry in a really important way because these, these 40 days remind us of the 40 days where Jesus fasted and kind of that preparation for Jesus' ministry. Um, It also connects us to something that is really, really important in the Christian faith and important in today's society, and that is the... I'm going to say like even playing field that we all have as human beings, that we live in a world that places value and hierarchy um, on different people. And yet Ash Wednesday is the one day where we remember like it doesn't matter if you're um, the president of the United States or if you're uh, the single mom who's in the welfare office, like both of you have the same mortality and humanity um, and you both need God in the same way. Um, And so I think it also helps to remind us of the type of partiality that we have as humans that God um, doesn't have, or if God does have partiality, it is usually for the the single mom in the welfare office who needs um, the rest of the world to give them the value they're due. So um, I think that answers the question. Yeah, totally. Totally. That was beautifully put. Like, yeah. Um, you mentioned in that the Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness, which is like obviously like a, like a Bible story. And I guess that like comes to mind when we start talking about Ash Wednesday and Lent. But I'm curious if there are other scriptures and stories from the Bible that come to mind for you when we start talking about these um, liturgical days and seasons. Yeah, the the um, the lectionary uh, tends to put that passage of Jesus from Matthew six, I believe, where um, Jesus is talking about how we pray. Um, and how to fast. It usually places that on this day. Um, It's a really interesting juxtaposition of Jesus talking about um, private fasting and prayer being for God at a time in which we mark ourselves so publicly um, as people who are entering into um, this season. And, but it also, I think, is put there to remind us of that kind of heart behind it. And um, allow us to be reminded that um, if you give up coffee, that doesn't mean that you can be mean to everybody every morning when you have a caffeine headache kind of thing, or you, you know, give up something else. Um, but the scriptures that, that really come to mind when I really think about ashes, I think about um, Job and this 
pitiful man who's covered in boils, who just says, leave me to my sackcloth and ashes and like keeps telling God, like, why didn't you just kill me already? Like, I'm so miserable. Um, I think of ashes. Um, there's one other story I was going to mention, but the, the main story that I also think of is the story of um, Tamar in 2 Samuel 13. So um, her story is a really challenging one to wrestle with, but she is um, raped by her brother and therefore is basically stripped of any... Um, even as the victim of, you know, any value to society, like she's not going to, people aren't going to want to marry her anymore um, and loses a lot of, um, just, just takes everything from her in that moment. And she's, and she resisted. It was not something that she wanted. We read that again. And so she, her response is to just cover herself in ashes and to grieve. Um, it even says something to the effect of the way her tears mix with her ashes. So fun fact, um, especially if you're doing Ash Wednesday from home, if you take ashes and you mix them with water, um, they burn. <laughs> they become um, activated, I guess. And so if you, um, I think Derek even has a story of when he did that and people ended up having like little red crosses on their forehead for the rest of the day from where they had gotten somewhat singed by this practice. Um, it's why you're supposed to mix the ashes with oil, not water, so that people don't end up getting burned. Um, but reading her story and imagining the way that she is punishing herself, um, covering herself with ashes, feeling so hopeless and just imagining her tears mixing with those ashes and just singeing her skin. Um, these are the stories, I guess, about ashes. It's a, um, it's grief. Sometimes it's even, um, self-flagellation in a way um, and mourning and it is the exact space in that dustiness where I feel like the spirit shows up and reminds us of the goodness that is there but there's a, a journey through the ashes to get there. That's <clears throat> really, I had never thought about the fact that whenever she's covering herself with ashes and then crying, that that's like causing pain. Like, like I've, I've heard the story about, yeah, don't mix the ashes in the water because it burns. Like, but I hadn't thought about the fact that then whenever people in the Old Testament talk about sackcloth and ashes and all those things and they're like wailing and weeping like that that's another layer um, of something. So it's a really 
that's an insight that like paints a real image, I guess. I guess then how to those stories and these like the day of Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent, how do they then center us in the overarching story of scripture and carry us to that point? Like yeah. how is the big picture and then some people are able to connect with Ash Wednesday and Lent and it's suffering in ways in, in easier ways than others. If you, um, this is like a really terrible example, but if you are going through a breakup and you hear an amazing breakup song, like that can so quickly become like your anthem. It doesn't really matter. Um, you know, you're not ready to get over the the person that you were in a relationship with. You're just ready to like blast that song. Uh, for some people going through Ash Wednesday and Lent is like a place where they can name and recognize the fact that they have been suffering. And in this year per, in particular, in 2021, I feel like in 2020, um, Lent kind of was all mixed with the pandemic. And so most people felt like Lent was just a a pause. I don't think it was practiced in the same way because we, you know, if you gave up eating out, like so did everybody else in the world. You know, if you gave up like certain things and luxuries, everybody was giving up something. Now in 2021, as we've come to this place of, um, some of us have come to this place of kind of acceptance of where we're at in the midst of waiting for safety, waiting for people to get vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we have this space of Lent and for some of us, it is going to be, um, rocking out to that breakup song, it is going to be like, yes, I have been suffering and this is the season where I get to really name and um, feel validated in all of those feelings. And other people, like, we kind of shy away from that. We don't want to be a part of that feeling. But the point of even for those people who are like Lent is my anthem kind of people, um, there is a journey through it so that when Easter comes, we've, we've made that space for the grieving and the suffering to be able to put it in perspective to God's presence in the midst of it and where we actually celebrate um, the overcoming of that suffering. Even if it's not something we get to fully embrace in the season, even if it's not something where, um, you know, the resurrection is significant for people who are living in the middle of a pandemic, it does not uh, immediately resurrect us from the consequences we have of living in the pandemic right now. But it allows us to put those things in perspective so that we can journey through that suffering um, and come to a place of 
hope and restoration and healing that doesn't rush there in like a toxic positivity type way, um, but acknowledges the full journey of what it is to be um, living in this world, to be people who are prone to fragility and suffering and vulnerability, uh, and yet uh, serve a God who can overcome those things. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. Um, Haley, thank you so much for like being here today and for sharing about Ash Wednesday and Lent and enlightening us all a little bit. Um, I really appreciated it. I enjoyed it. Um, any weird face I made was not you. It was me being tired um, <laughs> and not feeling the best. But thank you again so much for being here. And um, everyone, thank you for listening. Um, and stay tuned for another episode um, where we talk about uh, Holy Week. I think it's actually going to be the next episode. There's, you know, got to get through the season of Lent. So we'll be back in 40 days. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker, as well as our production team, Troy Argon Buchanan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin, and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by Campus to City Wesley.